More than one expert on societal trends has concluded that we in North America live in a death-denying culture. As one writer has stated, we try not to think about death too much until it happens to someone close to us. And even then, we share a toast, say a few words, put up a few pictures, laugh at old memories, and then do our best to go on with our lives. Grief can be managed with therapy, and the pain will eventually go away. It's all about getting back to being happy again as soon as possible. And so before COVID-19 changed the picture, some people were having destination funerals at exotic locations. Funeral homes have now hired event planners on their staff, and they've removed funeral parlors and replaced them with dance floors for upbeat life celebration parties. As one pundit has stated, tongue-in-cheek, they want to put the fun in funeral. And yet, in spite of all our avoidance maneuvering, in spite of our attempts to ignore or at the very least to soften its reality, death finds a way to intrude into our lives. We can turn to the website for the John Hopkins Coronavirus Resource Center's world map for the latest ongoing tally on infections and deaths. Sometimes death unleashes its destructive powers slowly. Obituaries tell us of friends and neighbors who have succumbed after months of suffering to the ravages of cancer or Alzheimer's or one of the thousand and one various ailments and diseases that torment the human body. At other times, it attacks us suddenly and unexpectedly, like this past Sunday when we were horrified by the graphic images on our televisions as we watched Captain Jen Casey of the Snowbirds plummet. To her death. In spite of all our attempts to ignore it, death is a reality that just won't go away. But it wasn't always that way. In the first few chapters of Genesis, we are told that God created a perfect world. Our first parents are given free reign in the garden except for one thing. They are not to eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, For when you eat of it, says God, you will surely die. We know the story only too well. They disobey God by eating the fruit, and so they bring upon themselves a curse. The ground will be hard to work. The woman will have pain in childbirth. But most of all, they will die. The curse is death. From dust you are, and to dust you will return. This perfect, sinless, deathless world created by God is ruined by the disobedience of Adam and Eve, the disobedience of humanity, the disobedience of you and me. As the Apostle Paul states, in Adam all die. As in Adam all die, so in Christ will all be made alive. Paul sings out in this famous 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians. The first part of that verse is doubted by no one. All of us sons and daughters of Adam die. Entropy, decay, and eventually death are the one constant in the universe on which both believers and non-believers can readily agree. 
The proof is all around us, in every newspaper's obituary column, on every cemetery's gravestone. It is the second part of Paul's statement, in Christ all will be made alive, that a great many people doubt. It is faith, faith in Jesus Christ, that bridges the gap between the death no one denies and the life to come which Scripture proclaims. The reason the Apostle Paul can proclaim this astounding truth is that God raised Jesus from that stone-cold grave that first Easter morning. And Paul, anticipating a denial of this truth, tells us in no uncertain terms what the implications are if Jesus did not rise from the dead. If Christ is not raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. If Jesus is not raised, then we cannot be either. And if that is so, if even God can do no more in the face of human death than watch it happen, then those who have already died, and we who will follow in their footsteps someday, will be lost. If Jesus stays in the grave, you have a reason to be despairing. You have a reason to be cynical, pessimistic, and fatalistic. But, says Paul, Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. Jesus' post-grave appearances were not a hallucination by one or two grieving people, but were witnessed by Peter and the rest of the apostles and more than 500 others. And now that Christ is risen, death is not the end. By death, Jesus conquered death and became the first fruits the pledge and the promise of all who have died. Jesus not only conquered death for himself, but he conquered death for everyone else. A time is coming, says Jesus in John chapter 5, when all who are in their graves will hear the Son of God's voice and will come out, the righteous to life everlasting and the evildoers to eternal damnation. In the meantime, before the last enemy death is destroyed, Christ has other work to do. He is in the process of putting all other enemies under his feet. He is, even now, continuing the work that he began at his resurrection, overcoming every rule and every authority and every power that exists and works in opposition to God's kingdom. And once that work is completed, the signal will be given, a trumpet blast like this world has never heard, and all those who are in Christ will be changed. Paul tells us why this must be, because these bodies, affected and infected as they are by sin, guilt, and death, as perishable and as mortal as they are, can never live eternally in God's glorious kingdom. In exchange for these perishable, fallible mortal bodies, we will be given ones that will never perish and never die. Of course, these changes come only as a gift from Jesus Christ. As we accept God's provision for us found only in Christ, we will experience that our sin, guilt, and spiritual death have been dealt with by Christ. No longer do you have to live in fear of death. For those in Christ Jesus, death will never have the last word. 
But how does that take place? How can the sting of death that Paul speaks of at the end of chapter 15 not be the ultimate reality for you and for me? Bill Iverson had a son named Danny. Now, Danny was allergic to bees. In fact, he was so allergic that a bee sting could potentially produce such a severe anaphylactic shock that it would kill him. One day, while Bill was standing near his young son, a bee circled Danny and landed on him, paralyzing the father with fear. Time stood still as Bill watched that bee on his son. Bill was afraid to make any move because Danny, at his young age, didn't fully understand the implications. Bill was afraid that Danny would swat at the bee and in the process infuriate it, causing the bee to sting his young son. Just when Bill's fears almost became overwhelming, the bee took off, circled again, but this time landed on Bill and promptly stung him. Then the bee flew back over toward his young son and landed on Danny again. But this time, Bill had no fear regarding his son. Why? Because the bee had been rendered harmless, for Bill had taken not only the pain of the sting, but the very stinger into his body. Now, his child was safe. Jesus Christ took the very sting of death which is sin, into his own body on the cross. Death and the grave, which had held a paralyzing grip on humanity, have now been rendered ultimately harmless, but only for those who have allowed Jesus Christ to take the stinger of death on their behalf. Only as we have made that decision to place our trust in Jesus Christ, the one who is not only Lord of life, but also victor over death, can we know the reality of life eternal? Only then are we free to live in this life, a quality of life called eternal life, a God-quality life that is just a foretaste of that which is to come in the life beyond this life. A number of years ago, I was speaking with a woman who had experienced a number of great difficulties in her life due to problems at her birth. Finally, in her early 40s, Joyce had responded to God's love and had given her life to Christ. I asked her what the biggest change in her life had been following that decision. Without pausing to reflect on that question, Joyce said, I'm no longer afraid to die. I asked her to explain, and she said that for many years she had been living in abject terror of dying. But when she said yes to Jesus, that fear immediately left her, and she now had peace, peace with God and peace within herself. Until that time when God calls out, it's a wrap, and the trumpet blows, we will continue to meet at gravesides and at memorial services. Friends and loved ones will still pass from this life. News headlines will tell of another terrorist attack, another war, another hurricane or tornado that is shredding houses and lives, another plane that has fallen out of the sky. It will still seem like death is having the last word. But be assured, be very assured, that everything 
has changed. For when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen.